Hello and welcome to the news section of Leviathan News for uh, May 15th. We just had a great episode with uh, Kametz and uh, Kruger uh, talking about the addition of FX Protocol to Aladdin Dow. That was pretty cool. So you guys should definitely go listen to that. Uh, but we have some news that we need to cover. Uh, first things first, Garrett, I want to talk about Curve USD. So over the weekend, the Curve team came out and had some pretty awesome results from their uh, recent Curve USD deployment. They said they're redeploying the contracts again because they're testing in prod. But one of the more interesting things was just how much money the protocol made uh, in just a short amount of time. So Curve Finance had a post saying Dow earnings from about $1.5 million of Curve USD produced by the CDP and from stabilizing Curve USD, um, especially the latter, were about $2,000 for the week. And these were like test earnings. So it's not going to be distributed, but it is showing what the potentiality of the fees could be. And uh, Adam Cochran, who uh, made some uh, additional analysis on this, essentially scaled it up and said that uh, if CurveUSD can hit a billion dollars worth of, of circulation, uh, then Curve would potentially be looking at $70 million additional uh, annualized revenue, which is pretty big for Curve, right? Because right now they're only making about, uh, what was it, like 0.012 cents per, uh, per about Curve? Two and a half cents, I think, per ECRV per year. Yeah, two and a half cents uh, for CRV. And with the additional uh, 70 million, that could potentially add 12 cents. So they would be 6xing their, their fee revenues uh, if these numbers are right for CurveUSD. Now, I understand that not everybody's going to be in liquidation all the time and that uh, maybe these are overstated. But even if Curve generates an additional you know, 40 to $50 million of revenue from CRVUSD, that's, that's a lot. And that's, I, I'm, I'm pretty surprised by that, actually. Yeah, it's... Uh Oh, oh no. go ahead, Rex, please. Well, just so two thousand divided by one point five million, right? Two thousand dollars in revenue over like the position size, and that's one week, right? So times fifty-two. So basically, what we're saying is that Curve is able to earn seventy percent revenue based on what is like being loaned again like that number is crazy which by the way means michael was paying the equivalent of 70 percent apr to borrow that I, I mean michael probably has spent 50 ETH deploying all the contracts but so no, far. no 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but i'm talking about like the just like the feasibility the viability of these loans to be like competitive in the market like mm -hmm. the flip side of give revenue for curve means like a position that used to be like very state like cheap <laughs> is not <laughs> Well, I, I will say that that Michael's position that he placed was very tight, wasn't it? And also very tight and right up against the potential uh, leverage. And, you know, uh, ETH was plummeting throughout the entire period. So unfortunately, we might see ETH prices go up at some point. Yeah. So I, I, a savvier trader might have a, a much healthier position and might be staying away from liquidation. Uh, but even in, but even if it's you know fifty percent overstated, an additional you know twenty five to thirty five million dollars of fees for Curve is huge. I mean that's that's a huge yeah. new source of revenue. Right, right. But again, even so, thirty five million dollars would would which is is half right of Adam's post. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would still be thirty five percent borrow costs on the billion. Well, just on like whatever 
people deposit in like to take out the position like the the flip side of revenue is always fees paid by like the people with those positions right yeah and so like you're when you're launching a new product like part of it is like just making sure it's competitive with like ave and like i don't think it costs 35 or 30 percent to borrow ave right? no, but i, I don't still... think go ahead gary yeah so again uh, michael's position was being like soft liquidated the entire time so i definitely think that this idea of 7x uh or sorry seven percent apy is like exaggerated um which is mm -hmm. kind of what it worked out to um be so that's going to be like um, the people who are in soft liquidation, which I have to imagine maybe like maybe less than 10% of traders are going to take that amount of leverage. And is, um, is this system earning any fees when you're just like totally healthy? Right. When you're totally healthy, there's a borrow rate of, I think, 2%. That might be subject to the Dow, so it might be raised or lowered. Um, so I would expect it's closer to 2% than 7% in most cases. Uh, but because like degen is going to degen, maybe like it creeps upward based on the people who are like at the like max risk riskiest position. And, and also at times of uh, high volatility, I'm sure the game uh, changes because, you know, when everything is relaxed, uh, then uh, okay, everyone can anticipate what happens to their loans. But uh, once you get into a volatile uh, day, it can be very uh, profitable for uh, VCRV holders, if I understand correctly. Yeah, I, I think about it similar to a Uniswap V3 concentrated liquidity position where you like you essentially start at the top and you get liquidated as you get closer to or you're able to take a loan against a Uniswap V3 concentrated liquidity position. Yeah. Um, and so like instead of you earning the fees when you're in the zone, the liquidation zone, uh, the fees go to to curve for those swap fees, yeah. but your, your balance keeps on getting lower and lowered. So I, I think it's, it's, it seems like a really nice system and that people are going to be able to build some fun products with it. Uh, but we're definitely going to have to get some real world uh, data on the, the fees once it launches. Yeah, and yeah. that's a lot of what the point of testing in prod was for. Um, so one of the interesting things, we still haven't seen the final calculations as to whether Mitch, like how much money Mitch exactly lost. Cause you know, he tossed this in expecting to lose some money. Um, but one of the interesting things that's kind of come out of this experiment that I don't think everyone realized is that when the price uh, goes down, you're essentially liquidating at the like highest price band. So if the price drops enough, you could actually, in theory, end up in a profit, which kind of blows some people's minds. If you're able to basically sell that off, on, um, you know, if, if you sell off high enough at, uh, at, the, at the high price. Huh. Wait, how? Isn't the so, whole point of the like... Because it's uh, because you're 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 essentially like long gamma, right? So like you have to think about it like you're selling, you're you're essentially liquidating back into dollars with whatever asset. So if the volatility of your asset is is pretty big and it drops a lot, right? You've been selling, you've been auto liquidating from this high point, right? And if it goes down to this low point now, you already have all these dollars that you sold up here, and you're DC you're essentially DCAing out. Um, so your average price might be higher than where the ETH price actually is. Yeah, but but aren't you DCing back in? So you, like you're well, if, it goes, if the price goes back up, you lose money. If it's only if you get liquidate or liquidate your position at the low price where yeah. you could actually theoretically come out ahead. Okay. Yeah. I mean, come on. If I get liquidated on Maker and then the price continues to fall, like I make money, which is also true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but the maker but the maker liquidation fees are going to be what like seven and a half to ten percent. No, so. I know, but point is, it's just like if you get out of a position while the price keeps falling, like that's just math, you know. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, but maybe it's helpful. I mean, maybe can people like 
I would have liked this at, at when ETH was $4,000 uh, to be able to throw some, to take some loans when and get soft liquidated on the way down. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's like the bigger message, which is like, what, how did things change when the liquidation is like much more smooth? And I think on the one hand, like things get a lot less choppy, but to like everything is going to be so much more inertial. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in other news, we have Jump Trading and Jane Street have signaled that they are going to be exiting the U.S. market for market making. Uh, they were two of the biggest market makers uh, in the United States and contributed significant amounts to liquidity uh, over the past few years. And it was very profitable for them as well, too. Uh, so this exit is probably linked to impending regulatory actions as a result of the collapse of Terra Luna and potentially FTX. Oh yeah. I mean, it's for sure regulatory if they're not exiting the sector just in the U S and mm -hmm. like, I don't, the real question is how much that matters. And like, like especially for jump, right. Where if, if they still want to provide like, no, no, for, I, I just don't really know what Jane street does, but like if, if they want to continue to pro provide liquidity, these are like international, like, financial conglomerates like they'll keep doing it and like they definitely both have offices in singapore like why wouldn't you keep doing in dubai yeah but yeah. that being said like if you look at any of the statistics like volume is so far down and volatility is so high that like that it's there's a lack of something right now yeah something's going to have to break because uh when the market makers leave the arena it opens up for more volatility and we have not seen any kind of major collapses or increases in volatility. The price has just kind of been chugging upwards. Uh, so where are, I'm sorry. Upwards. Where are most of these markets that they were uh, making? Like for example, if they brought, if they used to bring all this liquidity, where, uh, where was it uh, located? If you the US, probably Coinbase. Coinbase. Gemini. Um, what else is matters in the U.S. anymore? I don't know. Crack does cracking is it like cracking U.S. or is it just cracking global? Yeah, cracking so do US. you think? So do you think in the long run uh, this kind of stuff actually uh, because it forces U.S. Uh, users to go on chain? On chain, do you think it kind of uh, forces a deeper liquidity on chain? Because uh, the like because because U.S. residents now need it more in a way. I no. think like we could actually. Yeah. Oh, we can look because DeFi Llama just added DEX liquidity for uh, governance tokens to their dashboards. <laughs> yeah, look, I think what like this really means is that all because because we have one crypto market, like we, we have one financial market. That's just the reality of living in 2022, 2023. But like the real the technology of cryptos, we have one crypto market and like a significant amount of capital being removed from Coinbase, which is like one of the pillars of the this industry unless that's replaced somewhere else, like in Binance or OKX or whatever, like we're just going to feel like the effects of that is just like a shit ton more volatility. And like, I don't know, like if we're lucky, I guess that means like the price can jump a lot faster. And then like the, you know, but that, that's never really what happens. What this means is that like it becomes like much easier for the remaining players to do stop loss hunting and chop things up and like continue to grind on and on and like, it's just it's unhealthy markets are bad for us all because they're more manipulatable and like this space doesn't have a great history on that. Well, we will see the effects of it over the next few months. Uh, the one like 0.1% uh, prices 
or at least the, the bid ask prices inside of the exchanges have already started to suffer, but someone will pick up the torch because it is very profitable. And uh, whenever there's an ability for somebody to profit, it doesn't really matter where somebody will pick it up in Singapore, Dubai, or somewhere else. Uh, in other news, we had 18 blockchain startups raise $71.9 million in funding with Blockworks leading the, uh, the round, <clears throat> leading the rounds with $12 million. So congrats to them. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like... It venture capital might be like harder to get in the sense that it's not like overflowing impossible to raise like millions of dollars by just saying the word bonds over like bonds on chain over and over again but like <laughs> anyone who says that like venture is dried up is just like doesn't really understand how the world moves forward you know and like there is there are incredibly wealthy people with idle capital that need outsized returns like <laughs> And the economy has like supply and demand and uh, like good ideas get funded. I, that's just how it works. Yeah. How, many also, them had, how many of them had AI in their pitch? All of them. Yeah. And uh, ZK. <laughs> and also, if you have uh, capital, I think, uh, you know, these are better times to, to invest than uh, when the mania hits. Because uh, you, yeah. you really want to get it where, while it's cheap. You don't want to get it. Uh, so I, th I do think it's kind of impressive to see, uh, you know, 70 million... Uh, it's not nothing to to hear that uh, this is uh, through uh, through how many through how much time? I mean, uh, the, all this money was raised like this month or uh, something like that. This week. Ah, this week. So, like, yeah. Uh, I mean, look, no, yeah, these yeah. are all not, like no disrespect, but like these are all small numbers and like seed rounds and like that's great, but um, you know, you divide seventy million by eighteen, like it's a lot of like energy in the space, but. Um, like, again, it, <laughs> there's always capital for good ideas and good teams. Like, always, always, always. Like, there wasn't the Great Depression. There was, like, you know, where <laughs> that's just what capital does. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we're definitely in a different market. Don't get me wrong. Things were definitely different <laughs> a year ago. <laughs> uh, so, guys, I don't know if you knew, but uh, the ETH blockchain stopped over the weekend. Just 25 minutes yeah. of nothing. And yeah, just, uh, it's over. Yeah, it's it's over, guys. It's over. I, Bitcoin maximalists are was was fun. Just finally, finally have something to hang over the ETH maxis heads by saying that you know, look here, your blockchain. Now that you're proof of stake, it, it stops. It's like Solana now. We're gonna have outages every every three weeks. But how right are they? Are they are they right enough to say it? Well, the, the issue is not that the blocks are being produced because they were. It was just that finality in the blocks uh, was was having issues. Um, Garrett or, or Rex, do you want to go more into that? Yeah, we all desire closure in this world, right? Uh, so it's nice to know when we can uh, arrive at this. So uh, we talked a bit about it on Friday's show, and you know, we were wondering what the, exactly the fault was. Um, over the weekend, if you are running a node, uh, particularly with Teku or Prism, uh, they've released some upgrades over the weekend, which they suspect was going to solve this problem. Uh, so let's hope that all the client software upgrades and we don't see this happen again. Yeah. And just to recap, like what happened here was not that joke that Sam was making, but essentially like what finalization is, is this like official imprint by the Ethereum protocol that if, if a block has been finalized, it is impossible to undo the transactions in that block without destroying at least one third of staked Ethereum, which is like tens of billions of dollars. 
And so when we lose that, which is like for technical reasons, we talked about it a lot more last time, if last week, if you guys want to go learn more, but um, basically what that means is Ethereum still progressing, still accepting new transactions, but it's less secure than the tens of billions of dollars. And um, we can talk about what that means. We can talk about the fact that that only happened for 10 minutes and then for like less than an hour and um, like the implications of this. But bottom line is like, this is the point of having multiple clients. This is the point of client diversity. And this is like a real win for showing like why the Ethereum community invests in multiple clients. Because if we didn't have that, like the Ethereum would have gone down. It absolutely, like it would have been Sam's joke where like, the things down, like you can't send transactions because like a full client seized up. And if that was our one client, that that's what happens in Solana all the time. And so um, it's like, it's not a scary moment, but it's an important moment. And like, this will go down in history of Ethereum as the first time and hopefully the last time this ever happened. But um, you know, it, it's a, it's a good opportunity to learn like what proof of stake actually is. Yeah. <laughs> and that's uh, our strength. And just to end, uh, over the weekend, Elon Musk showed up at uh, Let's Rave. The the oh my God, I don't know if you guys can hear that, but uh, Elon Musk showed up at the uh, Let's Rave event in Lisbon, uh, where he was dancing. That was posted by Seraphim. Uh, nice little. And, uh, someone someone else here is currently in Lisbon. Rex, did you bump into him? <laughs> yeah, that's actually why I'm here <laughs> at Rave with Elon. Uh, wait, wait, you both are in Lisbon now? Yeah, well, I, I just learned that. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's happening in Lisbon right now? Oh, my fiance is uh, has a like externship at a hospital here. Oh, great. Okay, I thought it was crypto related. It's always crypto related. <laughs> well, we can end it here. Uh, there was uh, much more that we'll cover tomorrow, uh, as uh, we are always on top of the news. So, thank you for tuning in today. It's May fifteenth, and until the tide returns, we'll be back tomorrow. Goodbye, folks.